my god. <laughs> Welcome everybody to a Spooktoberin episode of the Ajung podcast. Spooky time. It is spooky times. Uh, yes. Spooktober starts early this year actually. One day early. Slightly early. One yeah. day early. Uh, you know, we thought well, October only has four Fridays this year. Yeah. And the last we, two years it's had five, five. Fridays. And we don't want we, we don't want it to be any lesser to, than the previous Spooktobers. Yeah. And you know what? Friday, September thirtieth, October first is, is, is gonna be a pretty great Spooktober. It's and, gonna be a great Spooktober. And you know, fall started on September twenty second, so, so I think it's already spooky times. We're allowed to say it's spooky. I've already got my decorations here. Yeah. We're recording in my apartment. Yeah. In Jackson's apartment again. Huh. And not even in my like studio room. We're just in the living room here. Yeah, yeah. But it should be fun. It sets the mood. There's a lot of spooky lights and stuff. A lot of spooky fun lights. Uh, we got some spiders over there. Yeah, a lot of skeletons around. Uh, yeah, there's some skeletons. Or some skellingtons, as our friends over the pond would probably say. I don't know. Is that yeah. how pe- British people say Is that say how it? you say it, Chris? Uh, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Uh, go ahead, by the way. Uh, here's a little sponsor for our last episode. We did a great long-form interview podcast with our buddy Chris McMahon. McMahon? McMahon. 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 (laughs) That's his American name. Chris McMahon. I love that. (laughs) I'm going to call him that now. (laughs) But, uh, and yeah, that was a quite fun time. We're a few drinks in already. We are definitely a few drinks in already. <laughs> and uh, one head with a question. One that pair is. of headphones short. Yeah, so we're just. Whoa. I noticed you're not wearing your headphones. You're, you're going. Wearing, you're free balling it. You know, I thought <laughs> I, I saw Jackson over there free balling it, and I thought maybe I would free ball it too. Yeah, because I forgot my headphones. Uh, you know, so we're going in raw tonight. <laughs> maybe that's a clip we bring for up later <laughs> for Spooktober. But anyways, uh, this is a very special episode, and we're. We've touched, we've talked about, well, you know the title. We're talking about Lovecraft again. But yeah. We're not just going to talk about Lovecraft. We're going to read. Yeah, because we've talked about Lovecraft before. Yeah. Way back in the day. Back in episode eight? Something like that. Lovecraft and Friends. We talked yeah. about a, the, a lot of the lore and like the different elder gods, uh, all that kind of stuff. But we never actually talked about any of the stories specifically yeah it was a very broad strokes thing so you know in tradition of ever since we had a hundred we retreading old ground and revitalizing some old things it's been long (laughs) enough now that we (laughs) i would say so i think it's we can revisit some old topics i think it's okay we're revisiting after a hundred episodes yeah uh (laughs) so we're kind of going back to basics here we're talking about love crap but we tonight it's gonna be a very special night and i hope god we're fucking nerds but i hope the music is there the ambience we're gonna put in some spooky music yeah put it in we haven't done that in a while in fact before you put in that spooky music well put in our spooky music. Yeah. Now. Welcome to the Odd Drunk Podcast. 
It is now time for spooks and moves Beers and beers of the spookiest time of the year So grab your drinks, your tricks and treats And prepare yourself for there it was did you hear it now you got to make sure you got three minutes and 45 seconds (laughs) i'm sure i'll figure that out if you put it before it's gonna ruin everything i said and it's gonna make it non-canon and (laughs) you're gonna just you can just hey you have the power to edit everything out i just said i can i can just you could make it you <laughs> I can I can edit in a clip like right now it'll just cut out right now and then just a just random like, clip just a random clip nothing PBRs yes. PBRs are actually not as bad as I thought Did oh, you hear like, it? Yeah, did you hear it? It was a pretty good one, wasn't it? Was, it? I, I don't know, was it? I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> God. But anyways, if you are new to the show, we got plenty of episodes. As we've said, we've got over a hundred now, and we've done all kinds of things. We, you know, you'll see. But um, we just real quick follow at at Odd Drunk Pod on Instagram dot do it com do it and check out our link tree. Drop us actually, you drop us a rating and or a review. After this episode, you have to listen to the whole thing. You should. You should. should. I mean, it's kind of unethical to leave a review without listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would recommend that you do that or something might happen. What? That's it. Something might happen. Are you threatening me, Jackson? No, I didn't say to whom. (laughs) (laughs) I said something might happen. I'm leaving. I'm leaving it ambiguous yeah, and ambiguous. strange. We should we should jump into the time time tested uh, old segment now. Uh, oh yeah, Jackson, <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? Tested, <laughs> tested by the sands of time. Uh, you said I, sands of time right yeah. as, as I was looking at that Iron Maiden album. Yeah, and it kind of kind of works there. Cause yeah, because like ancient Egypt Egyptian stuff on yeah. it. Power Slave, great album. But um, <laughs> so I am drinking, and I've already drank uh, some wine. This is uh, from Chop Shop from California. It's a 2020 Cabernet Sauvignon, ah. and uh, it's really good. It's a good red wine. I can't complain about it. And then I also have with gin left over from the last episode. Mm. I've got a Tom Collins here. Good old Bombay Sapphire gin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I got right here because we've had this recently, but we have. because it's it's now October or almost October. It will be by the time uh, this comes out. I've got Ooh. an Oktoberfest beer from from uh, Ska Brewing, and it's it's a pretty good beer. I've also got Ska I've also, Brewing. I've also got some, got a couple uh, brewskis, some absinthe. <laughs> yeah. Also left over from the last episode. Yes, yes. I thought absinthe was appropriate for Lovecraft, though. Yeah. Um, I've got some more random beers down 1920s. here. 1920s. But we're already several drinks in, so we'll actually... I don't know if I'll actually get to those. But um, tonight, mm, we 
are going to be reading some HP Lovecraft. Yeah, we're going to be reading. And, <laughs> uh, I just want to preface this by uh, this saying. This is our first attempt at uh, this, <laughs> on doing audio. an audio book. Well, we played with it. We dabbled. Yeah, and we right. did it. We, we did, did it. The Harry Potter episode. Yeah, in which we did not even finish the chapter. We didn't finish the chapter, and then we read uh, like an AI. Like, yeah, an AI book. generated chapter of Harry um, Potter, which was hilarious. I loved that. That was great. That's a cool glass you've got there, Jackson. You should post a picture of that on the Instagram. I think I will, uh, Colton, but not cool, because you told me it's to. It's a cool skeleton <laughs> spooky wine glass. It is a skeleton spooky wine glass. Got yeah. it at a local. Or, or shall I say, it's not a wine glass. It's a goblet. I guess that would be a goblet, yeah, wouldn't see, it? Because it gives me it gives goblet vibes more to me. I mean, there's not, like, a big difference between a wine glass and a goblet. I think a goblet is just <laughs> an ornate wine glass, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and that gives me goblet vibes. Yeah. It's, just, it's cool. It's cool. It's something you would find on a Dark Souls game, <laughs> perhaps. Um, but, yeah, we are going to be reading some H.P. Lovecraft. we got a few of his short stories. Let's see how many we can get through. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to have Colton, uh, you keep the banter going. Okay. Just for... <laughs> banter um i don't know you left me on the spot there uh <laughs> <laughs> taking a big drink there you're getting prepared <laughs> i'm starting to feel it right now i've i had three drinks and like a shot of absinthe before we started the podcast tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it now. I'm getting proper wine drunk. Yeah. Colton. I'm in a really good spot right now. Uh, you know, I don't like being super drunk. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, which is why I mentioned I might not get to the rest of these Well, beers. like I said, I'm getting wine wanna, drunk. I don't want to be too too. I'm getting wine drunk, drunk for a very specific reason. Yeah. Because, yeah, I regret the hangovers. They're the worst hangovers. There's no, there's no better way to read... However, I read aloud uh, a horror story. Than however, nice Colton. However, Colton, wine drunk, for some reason, I don't know if it's the fermented grapes or what the hell's going on, artifact. I'm drinking poison. Uh, but wine drunk makes you drunk. For some reason, it is the most distinct kind of drunk I can get. I I beer and liquor drunks. They're pretty similar. I don't buy um, into the idea that there's different types. I'm of telling you, being Colton, drunk. there is. I think I I've think experienced it. It's totally, dude. I it's Colton. If, if you feel different, if you feel, I feel different, different. Being, if you feel different because you're on because you've been drinking something different, it's not because you're a different type of drunk. It's because that thing is settling different in your stomach, or because well, yeah, maybe or because that puts you in a different mindset as you're drinking it. Well, wouldn't that be a different kind of drunk then? No, no, you're still just intoxicated. Drunk. No, you're intoxicated, but it's a different feeling going along with it. I, 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 like wine drunk, I will tell you, uh, as long as I've drinking wine, yeah, drank wine, uh, partaked in wine, uh, it always gives me a partook. <laughs> it always gives me a, a more euphoric just happy kind of silly feeling than a lot of other drinks i think that's just a placebo of like you know i drink, don't think you so, know you're colton. drinking wine and wine is you know a, colton i uh, think you can 
quite very well. Um, I'm not going to say it because that's quite rude. And this isn't a rude podcast. Is everyone? You were going to. I was going to tell you some things. No, it's all good. We're good. We're friends. We, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Too long. <laughs> but anyways, speaking of which, we're retiring from podcasting. Yeah, starting that's it. right now. It's End over. of episode. Done. End. <laughs> Oh, we're still here. Anyways, I'm going to start us off with a, maybe a not-as-well-known Lovecraft story, at least for a layman's. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be like that pretentious guy, but as far as Lovecraft stories go, the most well-known is Call of Cthulhu and maybe yeah. Color Out of Space. Oh, that was Mountains of Madness. Mountains of Madness. Yeah. Which we could read Mountains of Madness. That's a but it would be like a four and a half hour that's podcast. A, yeah, that's a long. That's and a long considering long. that we're drunk, it would probably be twice that long. Yeah, yeah. That's so the, that's <laughs> not a good idea. But I do recommend listening uh, to the audiobook. The um, yeah, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft like historians or I forget what they does, call themselves. Doesn't the exploring series also do? He all, does. Of Lovecraft yeah. Big shout out to Exploring Series. Yeah. He also has a podcast, but he's a YouTuber about first. Exploring Series in a long time. He, I think the last time we mentioned them was SCP. He does a lot of SCP stuff. I think the last time we mentioned them on the podcast was when we did the Dark Souls lore episode. No, was that not it? He hasn't done any Dark Souls stuff. That's uh, Vadi Vidya. You're thinking of. Right. And it's been maybe even longer since we've mentioned Exploring Series. Yeah, but anyways, big shout out to him. Good, good, good stuff. But good tonight. Stuff. I'm going to be reading, and this is how we've always pronounced it. And I think it's uh, quite fair that we read this story first, or that I read the story first. Because he's been, if you've been listening for a long time, he's kind of a reoccurring uh, antagonist yeah. of the show. <laughs> Near Lepitet. Uh, you bastard, you. <laughs> you rascal. You, you little rascal. rascal. Um, if you want to know about any of these god, uh, elder gods or whatever we're talking about, listen to the our previous Lovecraft episode. But near yeah, Lovecraft and friends, Lovecraft and friends, yeah. yeah. And that's but this episode we are gonna be doing audiobooks for you. Yeah, you know, I was listening to an audiobook today. I was listening to, to our the, best of ability. I was listening to the Andy Circus uh, Fellowship of the Ring. It's good. And Andy it's quite Circus good. is. You know, infinitely better at reading things than than we are, but we will try. He's best. also infinitely uh, better at doing motion capture. He is infinitely better <laughs> at motion capture. He is also infinitely better at sounding like a cool British guy than we are. Mm. Who I always mistook for a New Zealander, a Kiwi. Yeah, he is <laughs> British. It turns out. I thought that for a long time too, as well. Then. Well, it makes sense. At some point recently, I just I noticed I saw us. And I just apo- <laughs> I uh, preemptively apologize. I am dealing with some allergies. I'm a little plugged up here. Uh, but, you know. You're forgiven, Jackson. Good. Great. So I'm reading <laughs> Near Lepitet. <clears throat> Let's set the mood. Imagine some... some, some <laughs> not that. Not <laughs> wrong type of mood. Imagine, you didn't hear that. Imagine some... Some spooky wind. It's probably there. I would say it's there. I would say it's there. (laughs) There's my screen. Here we go. I'm going to start. 
near Lepitep, the crawling chaos. I am the last. I will tell the audience void. I do not recall distinctly when it began, but it was months ago. The general tension was horrible. To a season of political and social upheaval was added a strange and brooding apprehension of hideous physical danger. A danger. Widespread and all-embracing. Such a danger. As may be imagined only in the most terrible phantasms of the night. I recall the people that went about with pale and worried faces and whispered warnings and prophecies with no one who dared consciously repeat or acknowledge to himself that he had heard. A sense of monstrous guilt was upon the land and out of the abysses between the stars swept chill currents that made men shiver in dark and lonely places. There was a demoniac alteration in the sequence of the seasons. The autumn heat lingered fearsomely, and everyone felt that the world and perhaps the universe had passed from the control of known gods or forces to that of gods or forces which were unknown. Yes, drinky drink. Big wine. (laughs) And it was then... If we pause, it's because we're drinking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, back to it. And it was then that Nierlepetet came out of Egypt. Who he was, none could tell. But he was of the old native blood and looked like a pharaoh. The Felahan knelt when they saw him, yet could not say why. He said he had risen up out of the blackness of 27 centuries. That's a lot. And that he had heard messages from places not on this planet. And to the lands of civilization came near Lepetit. Swarvy, slender, and sinister. Always buying strange instruments of glass and metal. And combining them into instruments yet stranger. He spoke much of the science of electricity and psychology and gave exhibitions a power which sent his spectators away speechless yet which swelled his fame to exceeding magnitude men advised one another to see Nirlepetep and shuddered and where Nirlepetep went rest vanished for the small hours were rent with the screams of nightmare. Never before had the screams of nightmare been such a public problem. Not a wise man almost wished they could forbid sleep in the small hours. That shrieks of cities might less horribly disturb the pale, pitying moon as it glimmered on green waters gliding under bridges and old steeples crumbling against the sickly sky. <clears throat> drink. Drink, 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 drink. 
<laughs> Tell me what you think of Nier Lepitep now. We're gonna continue. <laughs> right after our sponsor. Right after Raid Shadow. No. <laughs> we don't have one. Um, okay. I remember when Nier Lepitep came to my city. The great, the old, the terrible city of unnumbered crimes. My friend had told Chicago. me of him. Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, yeah. <laughs> and of the impelling fast... I hate Vegas. <laughs> Sorry if any of you listening are from Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but, it's the least, my least favorite city I've ever been to. <laughs> oh. oh. I, I, I really don't like Vegas. <laughs> my friend had told me of him. And of the impelling fascination and allurement of his revelations. And I burn with eagerness to explore his uttermost mysteries. My friends said they were horrible and impressive beyond my most fevered imaginings. That what was thrown on a screen in the darkened room prophesized things none but near Lepitet dared prophecy. And that in the sputter of his sparks there was taken from men. That would have never been taken before yet, which showed only in the eyes. And I heard it hinted abroad that those who knew New Year Lepitep looked on sights which others saw not. It was in the hot autumn that I went through the night with the restless crowds to see near Lepitep. I hate hot autumns. It's kind of what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Early autumn where it's starting to cool down, but it still gets hot. It's not, it's not too bad out. But it's, it's great. It's still warm enough that I am upset. You could say, yeah, it's a hot autumn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's near Lepitep's fault. Yeah, it's his fault. Through the stifling night and up the endless stairs into the choking room and shadowed on a screen, I saw hooded forms amidst ruins and yellow evil faces peering from behind fallen monuments. And I saw the world battling against blackness, against the waves of destruction from ultimate space, whirling, churning, struggling around the dimming, cooling sun. Then the sparks played amazingly around the heads of spectators, and hair stood up on, while shadows, more grotesque than I can tell, came out and squatted on the heads. And when I, he was colder and more scientific than the rest, mumbled a trembling protest about imposture and static electricity. Near Lepitep drave, drave us all out. Down the dizzy stairs into the damp, hot, deserted midnight streets. I screamed aloud that I was not afraid, that I never could be afraid. Another screamed with me for solace. We swear to one another that the city was exactly the same and still alive. And when the electric lights began to fade... We cursed the company over and over again and laughed at the queer faces we made. I believe we felt something coming down from the greenish moon. For when we began to depend on its light, 
we drifted in the curious involuntary formations and seemed to know our destinations, though we dared not think of them. Once we looked at the pavement and found the blocks loose and displaced by grass, with scarce a line of rusted metal, the shoe where the tram race have run. And again, we saw a tram car, lone, windowless, dilapidated, and almost on its side. When we gazed around the horizon, we could not find a third tower by the river, and noticed that the silhouette of the second tower was ragged at the top. Then, we split into narrow columns, each of which seemed drawn in a different direction. One disappeared in a narrow alley to the left, leaving only an echo of a sh shocking moan. Another filed down the weed-choked subway entrance, howling with a laughter that was mad. Do a mad laughter real quick. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. My own column was sucked toward the open country and presently felt a chill, chill which was not of the hot autumn. For as we stalked Sounds out... Sounds like of you <laughs> live in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> or like California, Arizona, somewhere where they don't even have fall, really. It's just like summer and then not summer. Yep. It's yep. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's the only two seasons. Which was not of the hot autumn. For as we stalked out on the dark moor, we beheld... Around us, the hellish moon glitter of evil snows, trackless, inexplicable snows, swept asunder in one direction only. Not the man. Where lay a gulf all the blacker for its glittering walls. The column seemed very thin indeed as it plodded dr dreamily into the gulf. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, there I am. <laughs> I lingered behind, for the black rift and the green lifting snow was frightful. And I thought I had heard the reverberations, reverberations, excuse me, of a disquieting wall as my companions vanished. But my power to linger was slight, as if beckoned by those who had gone before. I half floated between the titanic snowdrifts, quivering and afraid, into the sightless vortex of the unimaginable. I'll drink to that. Oh, cheers. Screamingly sentient, dumbly delirious, only the gods that were can tell. A sickened, sensitive shadow writhing in the hands that are not hands and whirled blindly past ghastly midnights of rotting creation, corpses of dead worlds with sores that were cities, churtle winds that brush the pallid stars and make them flicker low beyond the world's vague ghost of monstrous things half-seen columns of unsanctified temples that rest on nameless rocks beneath space and reach up to the dizzy vacua above the spheres of light and darkness 
and through this revolting graveyard of the universe was muffled, maddening, beating of drums, and thin, monotonous whine of blasphemous flutes from inconceivable, unlighted chambers beyond time. The detestable pounding and piping were on to dance slowly, awkwardly and absurdly, the gigantic, tenebrous, ultimate gods, the blind, voiceless, mindless gargoyles whose soul is near Lepitep. Boom. So nice. that ending passage, talking about the piping flutes and the pounding drums. So yeah. what that really is, and we talked about it a little bit in our Lovecraft, the first Lovecraft episode, that is the music, essentially, that calms and keeps Azathoth asleep. Yeah. It is... Because if Azathoth wakes... And Nier Lepitet is the son of Azathoth, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what this kind of alludes to. And he's part of that music... But basically, if Azatoth... So the idea is Azatoth is a blind idiot god. He's incomprehensibly powerful, but he is... Reality is his dream. It's his dream. Reality is his dream, and if he wakes up, we're dead. Yeah. There's no reality. Yep. That's... And near Lepitep, uh, it's part of that, at least uh, something to do with the music the piping yeah. demonic flutes and everything that keep Azatoth in his slumber. Classic. So cosmic even though yeah. near Leptet and, and Lovecraft out of all the uh, elder gods and everything, I think he's considered an elder God. And yeah. then the other ones are like the old ones or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's also one of the, I mean, not that he's not malicious at all, but he is one of the less malicious. Well, he's more malicious. He likes messing around with humans and stuff. Yeah. And being mischievous. But he's not like... He's not this kind of being where, oh, if he shows up, he's just going to destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is one of the... Out of all the like older gods and everything in Lovecraft, he is... Probably closer in, of, of equivalent to like Loki or Lucifer, yeah. where he has this interest in human beings and he likes meddling in our affairs. Yeah. While like Cthulhu and all these other gods were just insects, like they don't care about what we think are our affairs. They just do whatever. <laughs> um, but near Leptep, you know, he's a persnickety little bastard and uh, he likes messing with us so don't let him get you <laughs> so do you have a story because I just got done reading that whole yeah, thing yeah, I thought, I thought, I'm gonna... and he's got the book do I need to turn on a light for you no. I can do it I don't even have to get up I'll be, I'll be fine I can read. that's dark hey Google turn on living room light yay She's Aussie. 
<laughs> I made her an Aussie. I don't know if you guys heard that, but she was an Aussie. Like, like Mason. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying he's like a woman. <laughs> Good on him. I was not implying that. Good on him. But I'm going to roll with it and say yes. Uh, I thought I would read, because it's not a particularly long one here, uh, the classic, the, the original Dagon. Dagon. It's a good one, and I, I. This is a classic. I like this one a lot. Go. All right. Use my reading glasses because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting over here with my my glasses and an actual book like a fucking nerd. And I just have it on my other phone. Yeah, like a cool tech guy. <laughs> Look at this this fucking Jeff Bezos fucker. Hey, here. get out of here. <laughs> I'm not bald. Steve Jobs, dude. And I'm not rich. I'm not bald <laughs> or rich. But go on. I am writing this under an appreciable mental stain, since by tonight I shall be no more. Penniless. And at the end of my supply of the drug which alone makes life endurable... I can bear the torture no longer, and shall cast myself from this great window into the squalid street below. Do not think, from my slavery to morphine, that I am weakness, weak, I am a weakling or degenerate. When you have read these hasty scrawling pages, you may guess, though never fully realize, why it is that I must have forgetfulness or death. It was in one of the most open and least frequented parts of the broad Pacific that the packet of which I was supercargo fell a victim to the German Sea Raider. The Great War was then and its very and it, at its very beginning, and the ocean forces of the Hun legitimate prize, whilst we of her crew were treated with all the fairness and consideration due to us as naval prisoners. So liberal, indeed, was the discipline of our captors that five days after we were taken, I managed to escape alone in a small boat with water and provisions for a good length of time. May I say one thing? Yes. I, this is just, if we were going to make a movie, I think the story of Dagon would be great if it was, took place in World War II. Yeah, I think it would. POW camps. Yeah. But... I know it's referencing. It's not referencing that. World War One. Yeah, because. But. Lovecraft, most of his works came out in the twenties, and then he died. The twenties. This was written in nineteen seventeen. According yeah, long, to the uh, yeah World War One. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that I would think make right. a good yeah. movie. Go on. When I was final, when I finally found myself adrift and free. I had but little idea of my surroundings. Never a competent navigator, I could only guess vaguely by the sun and the stars that I was somewhat south of the equator. Of the longitude, I knew nothing, and no island or coastline was in sight. The weather kept fair, and for unaccounted days, I drifted aimlessly beneath the scorching sun, waiting either for some passing ship or to be cast on the shores of some habitable land. But neither ship nor land appeared, and I began to despair in my solitude among the heaving vastness of unbroken blue. 
The change happened whilst I slept. It's details I shall never know for... Make sure the computer doesn't fall asleep. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Uh, <laughs> it's details I shall never know for my slumber, though troubled and dream-infested, was continuous. When at last I awaked, it was to discover myself half-sucked into a slimy expanse of hellish black mire, which extended about me in monotonous un undulations as far as I could see, and in which my boat lay grounded some distance away. This is when everyone drinks. Oh, yes. Drinky drink time. Yep. Uh, I hope that anyone listening is also drinking as well. Yeah. You better be. <laughs> Even if you're listening... No, never mind. <laughs> Don't... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I know we have a we have a statement at the end. Our, uh, uh, our friend at the end, our robotic friend. Uh, yeah. Don't drink and drive. Okay? Yes, yeah. Just because we say drink. If you're driving and listening to us, perhaps... Drink safely and responsibly. Yeah, by and by that we mean uh, don't drink and drive. Yeah. And don't I'm be, at Jackson's, don't be an idiot. Jackson's uh, house right now, but or so I, I he live says, walking distance. So. Yeah, we can walk. I'm yeah, drinking, it's fine. but not driving. Yeah, it's fine. And also, big shout-out to anyone that's listening while they're on a road trip or anything like that. Yeah, I hope you're not drinking. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, that, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Anyways, back to it. <laughs> Though one might well imagine that my first sensation would be of wonder at so pro prodigious an unexpected, an unexpected a transformation of scenery. I was in reality more horrified than astonished. For there was in the air and in the rotting soil a sinister quality which chilled me to the very core. The region was putrid, with carcasses of de decaying fish, and of other less describable things which I saw protruding from the nasty mud of the unending plain. Perhaps I should not hope to convey in mere words the unutterable hideousness that can dwell in absolute silence and barren immensity. There was nothing within hearing and nothing in sight save a vast reach of black slime, yet the very uh, completeness of the stillness and the homogeneity of the landscape oppressed me with a nauseating fear. The sun was blazing down from a sky which seemed to me almost black in its cloudless cruelty, and though reflecting in the inky marsh beneath my feet, as I crawled into the st stranded boat, I realized that not only that only one theory could explain my position. Through some unprecedented volcanic upheaval, a portion of the ocean floor must have been thrown to the surface, exposing regions for which innumerable millions of years had lain hidden under unfathomable watery depths. So great was the extent of the new land which had arisen beneath me that I cannot detect the faintest noise of the ocean surging strain my ears as I might. Nor were there any sea fowl to prey upon the dead things. For several hours I sat thinking 
or brooding in the boat, which lay upon its side and afforded a slight shade as the sun moved across the heavens. Of course Colton would be brooding. You know me. It's my whole personality. Always brooding. (laughs) (laughs) As the day progressed, the ground lost some of its sickness and seemed likely to dry sufficiently for traveling purposes in a short time. That night I slept but little, and the next day I made my, for myself a pack containing food and water preparatory, uh, pre- 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 preparatory to an, <laughs> to an over... <laughs> to an overland journey in search of the vanished sea and possible rescue. On the third morning I found my... Well, I got it. Make sure the computer doesn't turn off. Don't want to lose the recording. On the third morning, I found the soil dry enough to walk upon with ease. The odor of the fish was maddening, but I was too much concerned with graver things to mind so slight an evil, and set out boldly for an unknown goal. All day I forged steadily westward, guided by a faraway hummock which rose higher than any other elevation on the rolling desert. That night I encamped, and on the following day still traveled forward towards the hummock. Though that the object seemed scarcely nearer than when I had first uh, appeased it. By the fourth evening, I attained the base of the mound, which turned out to be much higher than it had appeared from a distance. An intervening valley setting the drink. Drink. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to hit us now. Um, on these next couple stories, it's going to be even. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you get drunk and proper like that, you know, yeah. things happen. Where was I? Wait, um, wait, wait. Can I do something for our listeners? Yeah. This is some ASMR. ASMR? Sorry, I'm drunk. Some asthma. Asthma for you. (laughs) I hope this records right. That's the rest of my wine. Nice. Bottle of wine. Mm. Did you open it today? I did open it in one evening. Cheers. I drank while (laughs) I was playing Spider-Man earlier, so you know. Anyways, back to your story. Back to Dagon. Dagon. Mm. By the fourth evening, I attained the base of the mound, to which turned out, to be, which turned out to be much higher than I had appeared from a distance. At intervening valley, an intervening valley, setting it out sharper relief, in sharper relief from the ground. You gotta power through it. I gotta power through it. Okay. You just have to. And by the way, um, <laughs> I don't know if the, what the title is, but this is obviously, you know, this podcast. But if you knew, this is a drunk. Yes. Reading. Yes. <laughs> so there's gonna be some some hiccups here and there. But he's got this. Cheer everybody. Cheer Colton on. An intervening valley setting it out in sharper relief from the general surface. Too weary to ascend. I slept in the shadow of the hill. I don't. I know not why my dreams were so wild that night, but ere was the waning and fantastically gibbous moon had risen far above the eastern plain. I was awake in a cold pe- perspiration. 
determined to sleep no more. Such visions that I had experienced were too much for me to endure again. And in the glow of the moon, I saw how unwise I had been to travel by day. Without the glare of the parching sun, my journey would have cost me less energy. Indeed, I now felt quite able to perform the ascent which had determined, deterred me at sunset. Picking up my pack, I started for the crest of the eminence. I have said that the unbroken monotony of the rolling plain was a source of vague horror to me, but I think my horror was greater when I gained the summit of the mound and looked down on the other side into an immeasurable pit or canyon whose black recesses the moon had not yet scored high enough to illuminate. I felt myself on the edge of the world, peering over the rim into a fathomless chasm of eternal night. Though my terror ran curious reminiscence of Paradise Lost and of Satan's hideous climb through the unfashioned realms of darkness. As the moon climbed higher into the sky, I began to see the slopes of the valley were not quite so perpendicular as I had imagined. Ledges and outcroppings of rock afforded a fairly easy footholds for a descent, whilst after a drop of a few hundred feet, the declivity became very gradual. Urged on by an impulse which I cannot definitely analyze, I scrambled with difficulty down the rocks and stood on the greater slope beneath the gazing beneath, gazing into the stagen deeps where no light had yet penetrated. Drink. I'm making a Tom Collins over here. Jackson's making a Tom Collins over there. If, if you can't hear him across the room. <laughs> where was I? Oh, there I was. All at once, my attention was captured by a vast singular object on the opposite slope, which rose steeply about a hundred yards ahead of me, an object that gleamed whitely in the, in the newly bestowed rays of the ascending moon. That it was merely a gigantic piece of sto stone, I soon assured myself, but I was conscious of a distinct impression that its contour and position were not altogether the work of nature. A closer scrutiny filled me with sensations I cannot express, for despite its enormous magnitude, its and its position in an abyss which had yawned from the bottom of the sea since the world was young, I perceived beyond a doubt that the strange object was well-shaped monolith whose massive bulk had known the workmanship and perhaps the worship of living and thinking creatures. Dazed and frightened, yet not without a certain thrill of the scientists or archaeological archaeologists archaeologist delight, I managed I ex I do want a cookie. <laughs> it's cookie time. Oh, it's cookie time, everybody. Yeah, it's shaped like a pumpkin. Thank you, Jackson. Hmm, where was I? May that help your I think it will. With this spooky tale of horror. <laughs> Drink time. 
<laughs> Dazed and frightened, yet not without a certain thrill of the scientist or archaeologist archaeologist delight, I examined my surroundings more closely. The moon, now near zenith, shone weirdly and vividly above the towering steps that hemmed into the chasm and revealed the fact that a far-flung body of water flowed at the bottom, winding out of sight in both directions, and had almost lapping at my feet as I stood on the slope. Across the chasm, the wavelets crashed at the base of the Cyclops Cyclopean monolith, on whose surface I can now trace both inscriptions and crude sculptures. The writing was in a system of hieroglyphics unknown to me, and unlike anything I had ever seen in books, consisting for the most part of conventionalized aquatic symbols such as fishes, eels, octopi, crustaceans, mollusks, whales, and the like. Several characters obviously represented marine things which are unknown to the modern world, but whose decomposing forms I had observed on the ocean's risen plain. It was the pictorial carving, however, that did the most to hold me spellbound, plainly visible across the interweaving water on account of its, uh, their enormous size, were an array of bas reliefs whose subjects would have excited the envy of Dore. I think that these things were supposed to depict men, at least a certain sort of men, though the creatures were shrewd disporting like fishes in the water of some marine grotto, or paying homage at some monolithic shrine which appeared to be under the waves as well. Of their faces and forms I dare not speak in detail, for the mere remembrance makes me grow faint, grotesque beyond the imagination of a Poe or Beware. They were damnly human in general, outlined despite webbed hands and feet. Shockingly wide and flappy limbs, lips, glassy, bulging eyes, and other featureless le features less pleasant to recall. Curiously enough, they seem to have been chiseled badly out of proportion with their scenic background. For one of the creatures was shrewd in the act of killing a whale represented as but a little larger than himself. Killing a whale that was a little bit larger than uh, I see. Self. <laughs> I remarked, as I say, the grotesqueness and strange size, but in a moment decided that they were merely the imaginary gods of some primitive fishing or seafaring tribe. Some tribe whose last descendant had perished eras before the first ancestor of the Piltdown or Neanderthal man was born. Awestruck at this unexpected glimpse into the past beyond the conception of the most daring anthropologist, so. I stood musing among the moon whilst the moon had cast queer reflections on the silent channel before me. So a really long time ago, these uh, yeah, that's what it hieroglyphics and people came from. Yeah, ancient stuff. Like prehistory. Oh yeah, well, pre-prehistory. Before ne Neanderthals. Like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Just like it. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Honestly, takes place wait, in the Lovecraft universe. I, this is a slight, slight tangent, just to break it up. 
I think we might talk about horror video games maybe coming up for Spooktober. But um, Assassin's Creed Hex. Yeah. Like witch trials. You said like East Germany. Or just Germany. Like Holy Roman Empire. Holy Roman Empire, like Germany. I don't know. Um, it makes me think like it would be interesting. It will be interesting to see Assassin's Creed with that kind of horror aesthetic. That'd be rad. And how does the first Civ tie into that? That's all I'm gonna say. That, they tried that's, to do some horror, like horror aesthetic. Did in, they in Valhalla with like ancient ruins and stuff? And yeah, I didn't yeah, care about that. Didn't really work that well. But because then you get dropped into a boss fight with a giant wolf, and it's like, okay, that's, it's like okay, here we go. That was underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, back to, back to anyway. It. Yeah. Finish this off. Then I suddenly saw it, with only sl- a slight turning to mark its rise to the surface. The thing slid into view above the dark wet waters, vast, polyphemus-like and loathsome. It darted like a stupendous monster of nightmares to the monolith, about which it flung its gigantic scaly arms. And while it bowed its hideous head and gave vent to certain measured sounds, I think I went mad at them. Of my frantic ascent of the slope and cliff, and of my delirious journey back to the stranded boat, I remember little. I believe I sang a great deal and laughed oddly when I was unable to sing. And I have distinct recollections of a great storm sometime after I reached the boat. At any rate, I know that I heard pearls of thunder and other tones which nature utters only in her wildest moods. When I came to, out of the shadows, I was in San Francisco in a San Francisco hospital. Brought there. <laughs> <laughs> so this all You're takes, just at the San Francisco hospital now. This all takes place in San Francisco. When I came, we out, weren't padding for time. Go on. When I came out of the shadows, I was in the San Francisco hospital, brought thither by the captain of the, the American ship which had picked up my boat mid-ocean. In my deril- delirium, I had said much, but found that my words had been given scant attention. On any land upheaval, in the, of any land upheaval in the Pacific, my rescuers knew nothing. Nor did it, I deem it necessary to insist upon a thing which I knew they could not believe. Once I sought out a celebrated anthropologist. Anthropologist? No. Anthropologist. Uh, An- let me see. Ethnologist. 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 Just go on. Yeah. Uh, and amused him with peculiar questions regarding the ancient Philistine legend of Dagon, the fish god, but soon perceiving that he was hopelessly conventional, I did not press my inquiries. It is at night, especially when the moon is gibbous and waning, that I see the thing. I tried morphine, but the drug has given only transient circes. Um... And has <laughs> I'm drunk. Morphine was big in the twenties oh, yeah. and the jazz age. And has drawn me in, drawn me into its clutches as a hopeless slave. So now I am to end it all, having written the full account of the information or the contemptuous amusement of my fellow men. 
often I ask myself if it, if it could not have all been uh, a pure phantasm, a mere freak of fever as I lay sunstricken and raving in the open boat after my escape from the German man-of-war. This I ask myself, but ever does there come before me a hideously vivid vision in reply. I cannot think of the deep sea without shuddering at the nameless things that may at this very moment be crawling and floundering its way on, on its slimy, slimy bed, worshipping their ancient stone idols and carving their own desolate likeness on submarine obelisks of water-soaked granite. I dream of a day when they may rise above the billows to drag down in their reeking talons the remnants of puny war-exhausted mankind, of a day when the land shall stink and the ocean floor shall ascend amidst the universal pandemonium. The end is near. I hear a noise at the door, as some, as of some immense slippery body, body lumbering against it. It shall not fawn, find me. God, that hand! The window! The window! The end. I like how this whole thing is like laid out as he's writing this out for like us to read mm -hmm. but he also like the end like the window the window is like he's taking the time to write that down as something is happening yeah something's that yeah it's like that monty python thing where they're like the the, the <laughs> beast of iron the, yeah the, the black beast of ah yeah <laughs> when he must have died no, while like writing it yeah <laughs> um if you want to edit a lot of that conversation out before that, that's cool. That's totally cool. Um, but I'll look through it. I've got a great story here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A I couple think we more got time stories. for. I think we got time for at least one more. At least a couple more. Co oh shit. <laughs> Just making weird noises right now. Both of us. Because we're drunk. <laughs> But yeah, we got we got we got time for a couple more stories. Okay. I hope you guys are okay, having Charlie. a great Spooktober so far. <laughs> One episode in, I hope you know what you're in store for. Oh yeah, you're in store for some <laughs> for some fun times, honestly. Um, maybe I'll read a couple in a row because that was quite a long one. Dagon, it's a short story. But it's a long one. Yeah, but it's still one of the shorter ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember in our text back and forth, we mentioned Colorado Space and Mountains of Madness. It's like, we can. And, and we were, and we both decided, like, yeah, no. Yeah. It would take, like, an hour and a half for us to read Colorado Space. But you know what? Twice that for Mountains of Madness. I'm in a good mood tonight. Yeah. I'm in a very spoopy mood. Done with the political stuff that we were talking about. Um, so... <clears throat> this next story is the Hound. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Warren Zevon. Like Warren Zevon, yeah. <laughs> One. Chapter One. 
In my tortured ears, there's sounds. Unceasingly a nightmare. Wearing and flapping. The faint, distant bang. As of some gigantic hound. It is not a dream. It is not, I fear, even madness. Far, for too much has already happened to give me these merciful doubts. St. John is a mangled corpse. I alone know why. And such is my knowledge that I am about to blow out my brains. For fear I, fear I shall be mangled in the same way. Down, unlit, and illimitable corridors of eldritch fantasy sweeps the black shapeless nemesis that drives me to self-annihilation. May heaven forgive the folly and morbidity which has led us to, both to monstrous a fate wearied with the commonplaces of a prosaic world where even the joys of romance and adventure soon grow stale. St. John and I had followed enthusiastically every aesthetic and intellectual movement which promised respite from our devastating ennui. The enigmas of the symbolists and the ecstasies of our pre-Raphaelites all were ours in their time. Ooh, it's blurry. <laughs> I'm drunk. <clears throat> That's not part of the story. That's but it's part... I brought my reading glasses. It's part of my story. But each new mood was drained too soon of its diverting novelty and appeal. Only the somber philosophy of the descendants could hold us and this we found potent only by increasing gradually the depth and diabolism of our penetrations title of your sex tape <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing my headphones so it sounds quite crisp right now Colton ooh Ooh. I, I, I started drinking some white wine, by the way. Oh, you've moved on. To I've moved on. The fairer substances. The fairest of substances. <laughs> Bandelier and Husamens were soon exhausted the thrills. Till finally, there remained for us only the more direct. Oh, God. Oh, it's getting blurry. That's bad. Okay, woohoo! Till finally, there remained for us only the more direct stimuli of an unnatural personal experiences and adventures. It was this frightful emotional need which led us eventually to that detestable discourse, which even in my present fear, I mentioned with shame and timidity. The hideous extremity of human outrage the abhorred practice of grave robbing 
I cannot reveal the details of our shocking expeditions. Our catalog, even partially the worst of our trophies, adorning the nameless museum we prepared in the great stone house where we jointly, jointly dwelt alone and servantless. Our museum was a blasphemous, unthinkable place where the satanic taste of neurotic virtuosi were had assembled in a universe of terror and decay to our excited, our jaded sensibilities. It was a secret room. You can listen if you want. It was a secret room far, far underground where huge winged demons carving a basalt and oinks vomited from wine grinning mouths weird green and orange light and hidden pneumatic pipes ruffled into caladospophic dances of death the limes of red charnel things hand in hand woven in voluminous black hangings Lodi's pipes came at will. The drink. odors drink. Our moods most craved. Sometimes the scent of pale funeral lilies. Sometimes the necrotic incense of imagined eastern shrines of the kingly dead. And sometimes how I shudder to recall it. The fearful, soul-upheaving stenches of the uncovered grave. Around the walls of this repellent chamber were the cases of antique mummies, alternating with calmly lifelike bodies, perfectly stuffed and cured by the taxidermist art. And with headstones snatched from the oldest of churchyards of the world, Niches here and there contain, contain skulls of all shapes and heads preserved in various stages of dissolution. There, one might find the rotting, bald pates of famous noblemen and the fresh and radiantly golden heads of our new buried children. Statues and paintings there were all fiendish subjects and some executed by St. John and myself. A locked portfolio bound in tanned human skin held certain and unknown and unnameable drawings which it was rumored Goya had perpetrated but dared not acknowledge. There was nauseous musical instrument stringed bass and woodwind on which St. John and I sometimes produce dissonances of exquisite morbidity and cacodemonical that's a weird big word by the way <laughs> yeah. uh, ghastliness <laughs> whilst a multitude of inlaid ebony cabinets repose the most incredible and un unimaginable variety of tomb loot ever assumed by human madness and perversity. It is of this loot in particular I must not go speak. Thank God I had the courage to destroy it. Long before 
I thought of destroying it myself. The predatory excursions on which we collected are unmentionable treasures. Were always artistically memorable events. We were no vulgar goals. What? We were no vulgar goals. Oh. Ghouls. Mm, I'm drunk. But worked <laughs> only certain. Drink? Can drink. Yeah, you drink. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be good. Um, conditions of mood, landscape, environment, weather, season, and moonlight. These pastimes were to to us the most exquisite form of aesthetic expression. We gave their details of fastidious technical care. An inappropriate hour, a jarring lightning effect, or a clumsy manipulation of the damp sod would almost totally destroy us the static titillation which followed the examination of some ominous grinning secret of the earth. Our quest for novel scenes and pagan conditions was feverish and insentient. St. John was always the leader, and he was who led the way of the last to that mocking. The cursed spot which brought us our hideous and inevitable doom. But what maligned fatality were we lured to the terrible Holland Church yard? I think it was the dark rumor and legendary the tales of one buried for five centuries who had himself been a goal. And this time it had stolen a potent thing from the mighty sepulchre. That's a weird word. Sorry, I'm drunk. <laughs> I can recall the scene in the final moments. The pale, autumnal moon over the graves, casting long, horrible shadows. The grotesque trees, drooping sullenly to meet the neglected grass and the crumbling slabs. The vast legions of strangely colossal bats that flew against the moon. The antique Winvivi church, pointing me. A huge spectral figure at the livid sky. The phosphorescent insects that danced like deaf fires under the yews. In a distant corner, the odors of mold, vegetation, and less explicable things that mingled feebly with the night wind. From over far swamps and seas, and worst of all, the faint deep toned. Bang as some gigantic hound, which we could neither see nor definitely place. As we heard the suggestion of Bane, we shuddered, remembering the tales of peasantry, for by we whom we sought centuries before had been found in the cell phone spot, torn and mangled by the claws. And teeth, some unspeakable <laughs> beast, is blurry. <laughs> We're both struggling right now. It's really blurry. This is. Let's be real. It's Spooktober. I think it's good to be real. Yeah. This is probably the most drunk we've been since. When's the last episode you've been this drunk? Hmm. 
I've we been, were pretty drunk with Chris, but not quite. Not quite. I've been pretty drunk. drunk for a couple of the commentaries. <laughs> commentaries, that's a different thing. That's a different kind of thing. I remember, I, I remember, I think the drunkest I've been on the podcast was when we played straight to VHS. The drunkest I have been <laughs> was punk rock. Definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember I you got, edited... I got Swifty for that. You yeah. edited the bad stuff. I didn't say anything too bad, but you edited... You made me sound better. Um, there was just a couple things. But I just remember... I did not remember <laughs> any of those things. <laughs> like, when I remember to the punk rock episode, when I listened to it, I was like, fuck, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, I was like... Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? Anyways, back to the story. Sorry. Take it. Take your drink. Yeah, it's fine. Had to make sure the computer didn't turn off. Oh yeah, that's good. Self same spot, torn and mangled by the claws and teeth of some unspeakable beasts. I remembered how we dwelled in this ghoul's grave with our spades, and how we thrilled at the picture of ourselves to grave the pale watching moon. The horrible shadows. Grotesque trees. Titanic bats. You okay there? I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) The antique church. The dancing death fires. The sickening odors. The gently moaning night wind. And the strange half heard. Directionless buying. Wait, 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 sorry. Directionless bang of whose objective existence we couldn't. Why are you doing that? Why? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Thank you. We could scarcely, scarcely be sure. Then we struck a substance harder than a damp mold and beheld. A rotting oblong box, crusted with mineral deposits from the long, undisturbed ground. It was incredibly tough and thick, but so old that we finally pried it open and feasted our eyes on what we held. Much amazingly, much was left of the object despite the lapse of 500 years. The skeleton though crushed in places by the jaws of the thing that had killed it. Held together with surprising firmness, and we gloated over the clean white skull and its long, firm teeth and its eyeless sockets that once have glowed with a churnal fever like our own. In the coffin lay an amulet of curious and exotic design, which had apparently had been worn around the sleeper's neck. It was oddly conventionalized figure of crouching winged hound or sphinx from a semi-canine face and was exquisitely carved in anti-oriental fashion with a small piece of green jade. The expression on its features were repellent and extreme, savoring at once death, bestiality, and malevolence. Around the base was the description of characters which neither St. John nor I could identify. And on the bottom, like a maker seal, was a grave and grotesque 
a formidable skull. Immediately upon beholding this amulet, we knew that we must possess it. That this treasure alone was our logical pelf from our sentry grave. Even had its outlines outlines been unfamiliar, we would have desired it. But as we looked more closely, we saw it was not only wholly unfamiliar, alien. It indeed was to all art and literature which sane and balanced readers know. But we recognize it as a thing of hinted of in the forbidden Necronomicon. Ooh. Tell us about that real quick. It's a Just book. a quick thing. It's a book. That the Book of the Dead. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, that that's a, that's the short description of it. It's it's a, like a magic book. Basically, of the, dead. the Necronomicon. Yeah. Nom, Necronomicon. Nebe Necronomicon <laughs> tells us everything about um, Lovecraft. It's 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 the it's the book that when you read it you go mad. Yeah, and I'm going mad at this moment. But yeah, we found Necronomicon of the Mad Arab, Abdul Azurid, the ghastly soul symbol of the corpse-eating cult of inaccessible link in Central Asia. Asia, all too well did we trace the sinister liniments described by the old Arab demonologists. Liniments, he wrote, drawn from some obscure supernatural manifestation of the souls of who, those who vexed and gnawed at the dead. Seizing the green jade object, we gave a last glance at the bleached and cavern-eyed face of its owner and closed up the grave as we found it. As we hasten from the abhorrent spot, the stolen amulet of St. John's pocket, we thought we saw the bats descend in a body to the earth we had so lately rifled. As if seeking for some cursed and unholy nourishment, but the autumn moon shone weak and pale. We could not be sure. So too, as we sailed the next day away from Holland to our home, we thought we heard the faint distant bang of some gigantic hound in the background, but the autumn wind moaned sad and waned. We could not be sure. Number two, chapter two. Chapters? Or something, two. I was going to say, this is, uh, Lovecraft story with chapters, that's rare. Well, the big ones are. <laughs> Less than a week after our return to England, strange things began to happen. We lived as recluses, devoid of friends, alone and without servants in a few rooms of ancient manor. House on the blank and unfrequented moor, so that our doors were seldom disturbed by the knock of the visitor. Now, however, we were troubled. By what seemed to be a frequent fumblings in the night, we only found around the doors of around the windows also, up as well as lower. Once we fancied a large opaque body darkened the library window, when the moon was shining against it. And when another time we heard a wearing or a flapping, a 
around not far off. On such occasion, investigation revealed nothing, and we began to ascribe the occurrences to imagination alone. The same curiosity disturbed imagination which we still prolonged in our ears and faint by far bang. We thought we heard Holland Churchyard. The Jade Amulet now. The Jade Amulet now. <laughs> Reposed in a niche in our museum. And some, are you good? Yeah, just fidgeting. Are you getting more drinks or are you just fidgeting? Just fidgeting. Okay. <laughs> we read much in Azuridad's Necronomicon. <laughs> about his properties. Go watch it. And about. Yeah, and just read about the exploring series. He has a whole thing about that. But yeah, Necronomicon is an evil dead. It is. And it's the same one? I don't know. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but it's probably there's, there's a few fictional franchises like that that. Which what's the other one? Vaguely hint. Well, not just not specifically Necronomicon, but there's some. Va- the Evil Dead's Lovecraft. Yeah, they vaguely hint that it's in the Lovecraft universe. Ash Fall- Fallout vaguely hints it's in the Fallout uni- or Lovecraft universe. Ash is in the Lovecraft universe. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. I, I oh, like yeah. to imagine that's true. Oh, yeah. I, I it, Yeah. Makes it better. Uh, Fallout vaguely hints it's in the Lovecraft universe. Fallout? Oh, yeah. There's like tons of Lovecraft references in, in the Fallout games. It's in that universe, but nukes? Yeah. It's Again, it's vague. It's, it's in the Which same. Which Fallout does it do that? It, it definitely does it in three and four. Nuh-uh. There's a whole quest in Fallout 4 about fa- going down into, like, this Lovecraftian dungeon in the Earth. And Fallout 3 has a building. Four? Yeah, in Fallout 4, yeah. And in Fallout 3 has a building, the Dunwich building, which is... Uh, there's, no! There's, like, a weird obelisk in the basement and stuff, and everyone's dead, and it's weird. But what did the nukes it, have to do with it? Nothing. The nukes have nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. It good. just vaguely hints that they're they're that it might be like Lovecraftian, like in nature, like the the, the universe of the Fallout universe is Lovecraftian. Hmm. That would explain the Mothman and all that. I, stuff. I, I mean, well, I mean, it's it's. Have you played Fallout seventy six? No, and I have no. Doesn't idea. it have the Mothman? Yeah, it has like, all. Yeah. Virginia like yeah. folklore. Uh. No, no. I mean, I mean, I say Fallout. Which one did you play? I've played all the Fallout games except for '76 and Fallout. You even Tactic. played the originals? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan. Are they on Steam? Yeah, yeah. I have them. They're, they're not. They're just, they're old school in a way that, like, unless you're really old, used to old school CRPGs, you're not gonna, you probably won't dig them. But they look <laughs> good. Uh. Yeah, they're they're okay. They're not my thing, really. Um, and then three was the first like Bethesda one. Yeah. Uh, no, when I say Fallout hints that it's vaguely hints it might be in the Lovecraft universe. It's in the same way that Blade Runner hints that it's in the Alien universe. Like, there's no. It doesn't straight out say it. it it's just, not direct, but it, it could just be, like hints it. Like, yeah. like you can believe that as a fan theory. Which also means it's in the Predator universe. Yeah. Which also also well, means well well maybe 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 it's 
if, if Blade Runner is in the Alien universe, then that means <laughs> Blade Runner is in the Predator universe, but Predator is not in the Blade Runner universe. Well, I heard this whole theory that the, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. character in the Predator movie that yeah. fought the Predator and survived. Yeah. They based in T-8. Dutch or whatever his name is. Dutch. They based T-800 off of him. Oh, right. So, the, therefore, the Terminator, Terminator, Alien, and Predator universe are in the same universe. That makes, like, no sense. But it could. No, and because... that's the fun part. No, because... Because, because that would mean that... What would the Terminator be in the Alien universe? That would mean universe? that the, the Skynet thing took place, like, way further in the future than we thought it did. Or it took way before Blade Runner. But then what, what took place in the eighties? Are you saying that that in the eighties Skynet took over and yes. and destroyed humanity yes. and then John Connor fought a war about that and then yes. and then humans bounced back to the point to build the Los Angeles that we see in Blade Runner, yes. then to proceed to the far future the which is the alien universe. And then predators. And then predators somehow fit into They all just of that. show up. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. Right. I don't buy. Yes. I, I don't buy that Terminator fits into that. Yes. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter if you buy it. Anyways, back to Lovecraft. Then the terror came on the night of September twenty-fourth, nineteen hundred, and it's vague. Nineteen, probably nineteen twenty something. The twenty-fourth night. Yeah. I heard a knock at my chamber door. Fancying at St. John's, I bade oh, the. I know, don't fancy that. <laughs> I bade knocker enter, but was answered only with a shrill laugh. Give me a shrill laugh. A shrill laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty shrill. <laughs> Jeez. I'm drunk. You asked for it. I'm drunk, Colton. <laughs> I'm really drunk. Uh. uh. What was that? That was creepy. Someone laughed. That was a, a ghost lady laughing. Yeah, a ghost lady just laughed. I'm just assuming it was a ghost lady. Yeah, we're just going to assume that. Yeah. And that makes me scared. It's spooked over. Uh, it not, is spooked not, all, not all ghost ladies are mean. Can you be drunk when you're scared? Yeah. Can you be scared when you're drunk? I don't see why not. Okay, good. Well, that's not good because uh, also, I'm scared. Also, remember, we don't have to be scared. Not all ghost ladies are mean. Is my door open? Your door's not my open. window open. I don't know. I hear laughing. <laughs> uh, and I'm scared, guys. Anyways, I bade the knocker enter. But was only answered by a shrill laugh, shrill laugh, answered shrill laugh. There was no one in the corridor. When I aroused St. John from his sleep, he professed entire ignorance of the event. Became as varied as I. Then the night, not faint, distant, bang over the moor, became to a certain the dreaded reality. Four days later, whilst we were both in Hidden Museum, there came a low, cautious scratching at the single door which led us to the secret library of staircase. Our alarm was now unknown. How can you tell? Oh wait! How can you tell us a scratch is scot- uh, cautious? I'll sh- I'll show you the scratch. Just just from just from sound. A cautious scratch. Yeah. 
There's my sounds. What about a not cautious scratch? A not a not cautious one. Yeah. A, a reckless scratch. A reckless you might, scratch. You might say. It would be a. Uh, it would be a. Uh, <laughs> it would be that. All right. Thanks for clearing that out. I'm glad I cleared it. Yeah. Honestly. I think I understand now. I'm glad I cleared it up. <laughs> God damn. God damn it. <laughs> We've had some drunk... Okay, I just want to say, we've had some drunk Spooktober episodes, but this might be the most. This might be the most. <laughs> uh, uh, our, uh, oh, God. Okay, yeah, just breathe. Our alarm was now divided, for besides our fear of the unknown, we had always entertained the dread that the grisly recollection might be discovered. It's extinguishing all lights we proceeded to the door and threw it suddenly open whereupon we felt the unaccountable rush of air and here is the receding far away from a queer combination of rustling tittering and articulate chatter where though we, we were mad dreaming or in our senses we did not try to determine we only realize what the black apprehensions that we apparently disembodied chattered was beyond a doubt in the Dutch language. After that, we lived in growling horror and fascination. Mostly, we held to the theory that we were jointly going mad from our life to unnatural excitements. But sometimes it pleased us more to dramatize ourselves as the victims of some creeping, appalling doom. Bizarre manifestations were now too frequent to count. Our lonely house was seemingly alive with the presence of some malign being whose nature we could not guess. And every night did the demonic bang rolled over and the wind swept more, always louder and louder. On October 29th, we found in the South Earth underneath the library window. This is window, a Halloween story. Yeah, it's very Halloween-y. Wow. Yeah. We found the sound in the South Earth underneath the library window. Surveys of footprints utterly impossible to describe. They were as baffling as the hordes of the great bats which haunted the hordes of great bats which haunted... The old manor house and unprecedented in increasing numbers. You know, I've never, I've never had the opportunity in real life to sneak around a library at night. We should. Like, like how they do in horror movies. And Maybe stuff. we'll do a ghost adventure thing where yeah. we go to a place and we I've, record. I've, never, I've just never we, had the opportunity. We were to, we, to, to to sneak around a library like we, they would either in a horror movie or in a college fraternity movie. Or in fraternity, but we like were Colton. We record <laughs> Ghost Adventures. Yeah, we, go, we should do that. We should do let's that. go to the Strader Hotel. Hear me out. Okay. And ghost bust it. <laughs> I don't think they would they would like us doing that. And we record it. And we tell everything about it, Colton. Anyways. Out of here. The horror. The horror! Reached a culmination on November 18th. Oh, they skipped past Halloween. 
Yeah. No, it's a Thanksgiving story. It's a thing, yeah. <laughs> and over November 18th, when St. John, walking in home dark from the descent railway station, was seized by some frightful carnivorous thing and torn to the ribbons. Uh, uh, uh. You good? <sighs> I'm drunk. <laughs> um... Okay, his screams do a scream. His screams had reached the house, and I had hastened to the terrible scene in time to hear a whirl of things and to see a vague black cloudy thing silhouetted against the rising moon. My friend was dying when I spoke to him, and he could not answer coherently. All I could do, all he could do, was to whisper. The amulet! That damn thing! Then he collapsed, an inert mass of mangled flesh. I buried him the next midnight in one of our neglected gardens, and mumbled over his body of one of the devilish rituals he had loved in life, and as I pronounced the last Damon demonic sentence I heard afar on the moor the faint baying of some gigantic hound the moon was up I dared not look at it and when I on dim lit moor to a wide nebulous shadow sweeping him from mound to mound I shut my eyes and threw myself face down upon the ground when I rose trembling I knew not how much later I staggered into the house and made shocking obeisance before an enshrined amulet of green jade. Before now afraid to live alone in the ancient house on the moor, I departed on the following day for London. Take with me the amulet after destroying by fire and burial the rest of the impious collection of the m museum. But after three nights I heard the bang again, and before a week was over felt strange eyes upon me whenever it was dark. One evening I strolled on Victoria Ambercranks for some needed air. I saw a blank shape obscured one of the reflections of the lamps in the water. I went stronger. The night went rushed by and I knew that I had been fallen Saint John must soon befall me. The next day, I carefully wrapped the green giant ambulant and sailed for Holland. What mercy I might gain, returning the thing to its silent, sleeping owner, I knew not. But I felt that I, I must at least try to conceivably logical what the hound was, why pursue me, were questions still vague, but at first heard the bang in the ancient churchyard and every subsequent churchyard. Evening. Wait, wait. Every subsequent event that Jane St. John's the dying whisper had served to connect. The curse with the stealing of the ambulance. I accordingly sank into the nether most abysses of despair when and then, in Rotterdam, I discovered 
discover that Thebes have despoiled me of the sole means of salvation. The bang was loud that evening, and I mourned again. I read nameless dead, the vilest quarter of the city. The rabble were in terror. Upon the evil tenement, I fallen the red death beyond the foulest previous crime of the neighborhood. In the squalid thieves' den, entire family had been torn to shreds by an unknown thing, left no trace. And those around heard all night above the usual clamor, drunken voices, a faint, deep, insistent note of a gigantic hound. So at last I stood again in an unwholesome churchyard, where a pale winter moon cast hideous shadows and leafless trees drooped. So only to meet the withered, frosty grass and crackling slabs, an envy church pointing a yearing finger at unfriendly sky and a night wing. Night wing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just fought night wing in Lego DC. You fought him? Super. Wait, villain. you can find him? In Lego DC supervillains, you fight night wing. You can find him. Yeah. That's good. Uh, night wing. Unhowled maniacally over frozen swamps and frigid seas, the bang was very faint now. And it ceased altogether as I approached an ancient grave that I once violated, and the frightening away in an abnormally large horde of bats, which had been hovering curiously around it. I don't know why I went uh, to their. Bats? Is this a Batman story? Maybe. I don't know why I tither unless it's the prey, or give her the unseen, insane pleas and apologies to the calm white thing that lay within. But whatever my reason, I attacked the half-frozen sod with a desperation partly mine and partly that of dominating will outside myself. Excavation was much easier than I expected, though at one point I encountered a queer interruption. When a lean vulture darted down in front of the cold sky and peckled frantically at the grave earth until I killed him with a blow of my spade. Minecraft. I finally reached the rotting oblong box and removed the damp nitrous cover. This is the last rational act I ever performed. What was the last rational act you ever performed? Opening this beer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> For crouched within centuried coffin, embraced. Which beer are you drinking? I'm drinking True Blonde from Scabron. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh oh. Embraced. Frantically, grave elf, I killed him below my spade. Finally, I reached a rotting oblong box and removed the dampish nitrous cover. This is the last rational, last rational act I ever performed. For crouched within the centuried coffin, embraced by a close-packed nightmare of ritual, huge, sinewy, sleepy bats, was the bony thing my friend and I robbed. Not clean and placid as we'd seen it then. 
but covered with caked blood and shreds of alien flesh and hair, and leering sentiently at me with phosphorescent sockets and sharp and sanguined fangs, yawning twistedly in a mockery of my own inevitably doom. And when it came from these grinning jaws of deep, sardonic bays, some gigantic hound, and I saw that it held in its glory, filthy claw, the lost and faithful amulet of green jade, I merely screamed and ran away idiotically, my screams too dissolving in the peals of hysterical laughter. Madness, rides the star wind. Claws and teeth sharpened on centuries of corpses. Dripping death astride in the bacchanal of bats of night black ruins of buried temples of Belial. Now, the bang of that dead, fleshless monstrosity grows louder and louder. The stealthy wearing and flapping. Do some flapping. I don't know if you hear it, but he's doing some flapping. <laughs> you can't hear that. I mean, I can make sound effects to it. Yeah, he's doing things. Yeah. yeah. And flapping of those <laughs> accursed web wings. Not Spider-Man. Circles closer and closer. Flip. Yeah. I shall seek. With my revolver of oblivion. Which is my only refuge of the unnamed... And unnameable. Ah, that was a good one. I like that one. But Colton, Colton, Jackson, Jackson, I have one more story. Okay, and I think this one must be read. Okay, read it. So, in a lot of the stories we read earlier, Lovecraft kind of has a disdain and a distaste towards the moon. He doesn't like the moon. The moon is often uh, a ver- I like the moon. bear of uh, bad things I for like Lovecraft. It. I like the moon. I'm a, I'm I a, also like it. I'm a big fan of Moonlight. Don't elves, don't elves he, like Moonlight? Lovecraft did not like the moon. It scared him. It spooked him. Was he a werewolf in real life? Maybe. I don't know. But this story is called What the Moon Brings. And I will say, it may relate to something we talk about in the future. That's it. That's all I'm going to (gasps) say. Bring it. Bring it. You good there? (laughs) I also must say I'm very drunk and I am acquiring hiccups and it's going to be hard to speak but I'm going to try my best Um, this one shouldn't be as long as it we think it is but uh, we will see but I must read I must read the story, What the Moon Brings. What does the moon bring? From H. Howard P. Lovecraft. What's his real name? 
Can we look that up real quick? Howard. <laughs> Howard Peanuts. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look it up real quick well, because I'm not lazy. Oh, you'll look it up? Yeah, look at HP Lovecraft. What's his real name? Uh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Was not Howard no. Penis Lovecraft. <laughs> no, it was not that. Sorry. I, I, I do have to throw out there. I didn't think it was Howard Penis Lovecraft. Hey, Lovecraft, if you're listening uh, to this, somehow we're drunk. Yeah, forgive Just us. Just understand that. <laughs> but anyways, this story is what the moon brings. I hate the moon. I am afraid. <laughs> I hate the moon. I am afraid of it. For when it shines on certain scenes of familiar and love that sometimes makes an unfamiliar and hideous. It was in spectral summer when the moon shone down on the old garden where I wandered. The spectral summer of necrotic flowers and humid seas of foliage that bring wild and many-colored dreams. And as I walked by the shadow crystal stream, I saw unwanted ripples tipped with yellow light, as if those placid waters were drowned in resistless currents the strange oceans that are not in this world silent and sparkling bright and bayful those moon cursed waters hurried I knew not whither whilst from embowered banks from lotto's blossoms fluttered one by one an opiate night wind and dropped sparingly into the stream swirling away Horribly under the arched carven bridge, searing back with the sinister recognition of the calm, dead faces. And as I ran along the shore, crushing sleepless, sleeping flowers and headless feet, and maddened ever by the fear of unknown things and the lure of dead faces. I saw that the garden had no wind under that moon where lie by they the walls were. Stretch now only new vistas of trees and paths, flowers and shrubs, stone idols and pagodas. The bendings of yellow litten stream past gristled banks and under grotesque bridges of marble. And the lips of dead Lotus faces whispered sadly and bade me follow, nor did I cease my sleeps till the stream became a river, enjoyed mist of marshes of swaying reeds and beaches of gleaming in the shore of a vast and nameless sea. It's a common reoccurrence. Yeah. Nameless. Nameless things. Upon that sea, the hateful moon shone, and over its unvocal waves, weird perfumes brooded. And as I saw therein, the lotus faces vanish, 
I longed for the nets that I might capture them and learn from them the secrets which the moon had brought upon the night. But when the moon went over to the west and still tide ebbed from the sullen shore, I saw in that light old spires with the waves almost uncovered and the white columns gay with festoons of green seaweed. And knowing that to this sunken place that all dead have come, I trembled and did not wish again to speak with the lotus faces. Yet, when I saw Afro out in the sea, a black condor descend from the sky, seek rest on the vast reef, I would not feign from questioning him, and ask him of those who have known if they were alive. This I would have asked him if not been so far away. But he was very far. It could not be a scene at all when he drew nigh a gigantic reef. So I watched the tide go out under that sinking moon. I saw gleaming in the spires of the towers and the roofs of that dead dripping city. And as I watched, my nostrils tried to close against the perfume-conquering stench of the world's dead. For truly in this unplaced and forgotten spot had all the flesh and churchyards gathered for puffy sea worms to gnaw and glut upon. Over those horrors, the evil moon now hung very low. The puffy worms of the sea no need moon feed by. As I watched the ripples of that told of withering rum worms underneath, I felt a new ch chill from afar out whither the condor had flown, as if my flesh have caught a horror before my eyes have seen it. Nor had my flesh trembled without cause. For when I raised my eyes, I saw that the waters had at very low, suing much of the vast reef which whom I had seen before. And when I saw this reef was but the black basalt crown of shrocking Econ, whose monstrous forehead now shone in the dim moonlight, and whose vile hooves must paw the hellish ooze miles below. I shrieked and shrieked, lest the hidden face rise above the waters, and the least hidden eyes look at me after the slinking way of that the leering and the treacherous yellow moon. And to escape this relentless thing, I plunged gladly and unhesitantly into the stinking shallows where amiss weedy walls and sunken streets, fat sea worms feast upon the world's dead. That's the moon. Nice. What will the moon will bring? It makes me like the moon a little bit less. Yeah, it's spooky. Yeah. It's scary. Well, I still like the moon. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I think that's a great place in our stories. Yeah. 
Not only are we drunk, and this is episode almost three hours unedited, but when edited, hopefully it's less than that. But either way, gonna, we're gonna edit out a bit. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> that's a great start to Spooktober. Yeah. And um, we are so excited to continue this, and we got great stuff waiting for you guys. Spooktober. Spooktober. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always great. It's always good. Spooktober is the only thing. Yeah. That we repeat consistently each yeah. year. Yeah, it's fun. We love Spooktober. It's a too. lot of fun. It's the best time of year. It is the best time of year. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we will see. Anyways. Mm. Anyways. We will see you next week for whatever we talk about. Ad- adios. In Spooktober. All junk podcasts. Adios. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Whatever. Bye. Why are you here? Why are you still here? I don't know. Stop. This is not a test. I repeat, this is not a test. The Odd Drunk Podcast recommends you follow their Instagram and join their Facebook group for more fun content. To visit all of our current streaming and social media platforms, visit the link tree in the description. If you enjoy the show. We would be appreciated it if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Odd Drunk Podcast would like to remind you to drink responsibly and not to drink and drive. Okay Colton you can roll the outro now.